We are currently in a series going through the Psalms of Ascent, a number of Psalms from Psalm 120 uh, through 135. What happens during your day? What's the happiest time of your day? A recent study of Twitter users found an interesting pattern. Humans tend to be happy at breakfast time, not so happy at midday, and then happy again near bedtime. How's that work with your experience? This study analyzed millions of tweets from 2.4 million users in 84 different countries, and they found that moods fluctuate in a very predictable pattern. On weekdays, positive tweets peak between 6 and 9 in the morning and then decline steadily to a trough between 3 and 6 p.m. And then in the late afternoon, positivity begins to rise again, peaking after dinner. So what about you? What are your most joyful times of the day? It's kind of an odd question, isn't it? Probably because instinctively, we know that true joy ought to depend on our connection to Christ, not on the time of day, but our our feelings don't always line up with what is true. Well, here's another question. What brings you joy? Now, that's a very personal question, which will bring many different answers. For some, it will be the expectant birth of a child or a grandchild. For some, it will be a family gathering together for a special holiday occasion. For others, great joy comes because of their dream home or a completed project or maybe because their favorite team has won the game or the championship or the playoffs. For some, joy simply comes from time spent outdoors. And so how we answer that question says a lot about who we are. And in our text this morning, Psalm 122, we will see what brings the psalmist joy. As I mentioned, this psalm is one of a a collection of 15 psalms, which are all grouped together and titled the Songs of Ascent. We've been looking at these psalms one by one for a few weeks now. They were sung and chanted by people traveling up to Jerusalem for the special Hebrew holiday times. They seem to have been written by different people at different times and then collected together into common themes. Today, our theme is worshiping God together. Worshiping God together. We're called to be joyful in gathering with God's people because that is what God has called us into, a community of faith. We should never look to the church merely to see what it can offer us. But instead, we should look for opportunities to rejoice in simply drawing near to God's people in the house of God. Today, every one of us got out of bed and got ready to come to this church building, or some of you are tuning in via the internet. Today, we have the opportunity to sing hymns and songs of praise, to pray together, to listen to God's word, to share fellowship and communion with one another. And so let me ask you again, why are you here this morning? What led you to get ready to come here, to walk through those doors? When you 
came here or come here on Sunday morning is the time that you spend inspiring. Are you truly glad to be here? Does your heart anticipate a time of being together with God's people? Does it encourage you to walk with Christ? Does it challenge you to walk more faithfully in your relationship with our Heavenly Father? What happens when you come here? And then when you leave through those doors, what do you take with you? Psalm 122 is the song of someone who decides to go to church and worship God. And so let's listen in to their words. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there the thrones of judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Well, I love how that psalm begins. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Right off, the psalmist is positively excited about getting together with his people to worship. When was the last time that you invited someone to church and they had that reaction? When was the last time that you were that excited to gather with God's people? I asked you a little bit earlier, why are you here this morning? Why did you come here or or tune in over the internet? Psalm 122 gives us at least three reasons to go to church and to worship God together. And it also tells us what we can take with us when we leave so that the worship of God on Sunday mornings spills over into the rest of our week. So reason number one, Reason number one, to gather with God's people in worship. Worship gives structure to life. Verse three of Psalm 122 reads, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. Now that verse seems to be referring to the the architecture of the city. How all the pieces of stone and masonry fit so well together. There are no loose stones, no leftover pieces, no awkward gaps in the walls. All of the pieces fit together together compactly and with harmony, each doing what it was made to do. But there's much more here than just the architecture of the city. While Jerusalem is a geographical location, it was also the center of Hebrew worship. For the ancient Hebrew people, being in Jerusalem reminded them of the foundational realities of their faith. It reminded them that ultimately their lives and their stories were shaped by God. Jerusalem was the symbol and sign of God's presence in the world. God actually lived within the temple. And just like the structures of the city itself, the Hebrews knew that only God and only through God would all of the various pieces of their lives fit together. In other words, 
God was there with them. And it was God that was helping their lives to make sense when they traveled to Jerusalem. Well, what was true for the Hebrew people is also true for us. Just when nothing seems to hang together in life, when nothing during our week makes sense, or we feel at loose ends, maybe a stone ready to fall out rather than one that is fit perfectly in place in the wall, it's then that we come to worship. We come before God. We pray, we encourage one another, we hear God's word, we're reminded that God saves us, that he heals us, that he redeems. God fits those pieces together in a way that we never can so that our lives, as our passage says, are built as a city that is built or firmly bound together. You see, God does this for the church as well. That phrase, built as a city that is bound firmly together. That word that we translate bound, you know, it's used here only one time to refer to architecture. And the rest of the time in Scripture, that word is used to talk about human alliances, people being bound together in relationship. And so it's not so much that Jerusalem's architecture is being praised, but that Jerusalem's ability to bring people together is what is important. And ultimately, it is God who binds us together, who makes us one, who unites us. Only he can do this. In verse 4, it says that the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, they go up to Jerusalem. Well, a tribe is like a family or a bunch of families that are connected together. And that's sort of like us as a church. We're not all the same. And when we come to church, we come from a variety of backgrounds and circumstances and situations. And when we come here, it's to do one thing, to worship. And so there is unity in that worship, but there's also great variety, great diversity. Listen to this verse from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. That is a powerful image of heaven. God gathering all people from all walks of life to worship together. And he doesn't make sure that we're all alike enough to get along. Because it is the love of Christ through His Spirit that enables us to be unified and to work together. Not our attempts. And even if we always don't get along, being in a church is a lesson in learning to love. In other words, we need God to help us be unified. Despite how different we are despite the fact that we come from different tribes and families and circumstances, if Jerusalem is a symbol of God's presence in the world, then the church is a symbol of what God ultimately wants the entire human community to be. All kinds of different people working and worshiping together. And so you see, worship gives our lives structure. 
But worship then also nurtures our relationship with God. One Sunday morning, a mother went in to wake up her son and to tell him that it was time to get ready for church. And he pulled the covers back up over his head and he said, I'm not going. Well, why not, she said. Well, I'll give you two reasons, Mom. They don't like me, and I don't like them. And his mother replied back, well, I'll give you two reasons why you should go to church. You're 49 years old, and you're the pastor. (laughs) Well, let's be honest. We don't always feel like going to church. Even the pastor. Look at what verse 4 tells us. The tribes of the Lord go up to Jerusalem as was decreed by the Lord. The word decreed doesn't give much attention to our feelings about worship and about going to church. The Bible wastes really very little time talking about the way we feel. Why is this? Scholar and pastor Eugene Peterson writes these words. Feelings are great liars. If we only did those things that we felt like, how much work, how much parenting, how much studying, how much shopping, how much housework and yard work would ever get done? I'm not a big fan of mowing the lawn and yard work. But does that mean I shouldn't do it? You see, Scripture everywhere reminds us of the importance of gathering together, of being knit together as a community. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, the Hebrew writer warns about not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. You see, habits often are based on feelings. But God wants our habits to be based on truth and on what he desires not what we feel like. So Psalm 122 instead reminds us, I don't care if you feel like it or not. It's a decree. This is a command. It's what good, it's what good and it's what is right. And this is something that God requires of us. It's not about our feelings, but it is about our God who calls us together. Mr. Peterson goes on to say, worship is an act which develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God which is expressed in an act of worship. You see the difference there? He he goes on and he says, I don't mow the lawn because I love it, but once I start, I certainly don't dislike it as much as I did before. Sometimes it's just about getting going. See, that's why worship is a command or a decree. Sometimes we just need to be reminded how much we need God. And so worship nurtures that basic sense, our deep, essential need to be in a relationship with God. If we neglect worship, if we neglect coming to church to worship with God's people, it won't be long before our relationship with God begins to be affected. God gets pushed to the margins. More and more as each day passes. The specific content of our Christian faith begins to give way to vague feelings of being spiritual 
and we start to live as though life depends on us more than on God. You see, this is our natural, our sinful inclination. Worshiping together as God's people is one of the main antidotes to keep that inclination at bay. As Christians, we cannot hold fast to our faith, to the the hope that we have in Christ on our own. We cannot love our neighbor without the help of our fellow Christians. We need one another, and we need mutual encouragement. Meeting together for corporate worship is how we support, how we encourage one another. It reminds us that we can't be Christians on our own. We can't live without fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we most definitely cannot live apart from God. So we must not neglect worshiping God together. And so worship gives structure to our life. Worship nurtures our relationship with God and with His people. And then finally, third reason to worship together. Worship centers our attention on the Word of God In verse 5 of our text today, it mentions judgment. One of the meanings for the biblical word judgment is the decisive word by which God straightens things out and puts things right. In other words, God's word is a word that does something. God's word applies mercy to our lives. God's word puts love in motion in our relationships. God's word provides order in our lives. It opens the way for forgiveness in our hearts and it makes room for grace in our midst. And so ultimately, when we think of God's word, we ought to think of Jesus. Remember one of the titles, one of the names for Jesus in the Gospel of John, the word made flesh. God among us, living as the Word. And so worship centers our attention on Christ, on who He is, on what He has done for us, who we are as a result, and who we are called to be as His people, as His body, as His representatives in this world today. And so coming together is how we get reminded of the author and finisher of our face. And so let us go to the house of the Lord. So those are the three reasons that this psalm gives for continuing to gather together for worship. But what do we take with us when we leave? When we walk through those doors out of this building, when you turn off your internet feed today, what difference has this worship service made in your life? Psalm 122 closes with a prayer for Jerusalem. And it asks that God, uh, it asks God that there might be peace and security within its walls. It's very interesting to me that the word used here to pray or to ask is a very common word. It's not the, the regular word for pray. It's just a very common word to ask. It's the word that the Hebrew people would have used to ask for a, a second helping at dinner. May I have some more, please? Or if they're asking for directions, if they're lost. In other words, this prayer 
for peace and security is not a, a formal prayer. It's, not a, uh, it's just an ordinary prayer. It's using ordinary, everyday words to ask that God would bless and bring peace to Jerusalem is something that the Hebrews worked into every day of their life. While they were eating meals, while they were going about their chores, they were asking God to bring about peace and security. Brothers and sisters, we are called to do the same thing when it comes to praying about our church and our time of worship together, when it comes to praying for one another. This is not a, a Sunday prayer so much as it is an in-between Sundays prayer. And so this also means that our worship doesn't stop when we walk out those front doors. Sunday is merely the time when our worship begins. This is the first day of the week, the one that gets us going and the one that helps us with how to handle all the days before that next Sunday comes. So our time of corporate worship, it doesn't satisfy our hunger for God. It merely just whets our appetite. And then that hunger should overflow into our week. A hunger for peace and security. Peace. The Hebrew word shalom. It has to do with completeness and being whole and God's will being completed in our world. And then security has to do with, with just being in a relaxed state because we know that everything is all right because God is with us. And so this prayer for peace and security, it's very interesting because it was written at a time when Jerusalem was not very secure. And as we all know, even today, Jerusalem is hardly a place of peace. Peace always remains a prayer request. Something we ask of God, but never, ever fully experience in this life. That's true of our lives as well, isn't it? We should know that peace does not come from an election. Peace does not come from your bank balance. Peace does not come from your success. Peace does not come from other people. Peace only comes from knowing God. But we must ask. The peace that we have as followers of Jesus, we have despite our circumstances. No wonder that Scripture says it's a peace that surpasses our own understanding. And so coming together to worship reminds us that God is at work and that God will ultimately bring peace and security to us and to his world. Security that assures us that God is over us, that he is with us, and that he is for us. And so we come here every week because to enter Jerusalem is to enter a new world. The joy that we have in Christ should be real. Yes, we will still go through the hard and the difficult times. But those things no longer determine how we live and how we see our future. So let us go up to Jerusalem. Let us continue to go to the house of the Lord. And when we go, 
Let us go with gladness, knowing that the God we meet there also meets us between the Sundays with a promise of peace and security that is only possible through His Son, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are a God of peace and security. Father, today, Father, we cry out for that peace here in our assembly. Father, we pray for the security that only you can provide. Father, we ask for your blessing. Father, we pray that your spirit would be strong in us. Father, that we might pursue the path of peace that Jesus has laid down before us. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.